said good morning. Uh, you know, first thing I want to do is I want to welcome all of our mass people who came to visit, encourage us. So welcome. If you, uh, you're here, just raise your hand so that you guys. Some of them uh, went off into the teen class as well. Uh, but it's great to have you. Uh, it was a great day to be on the mountain here yesterday. Uh, it would have been it would have been great, though I think I would have not worn a jacket probably because it was a little warm. It is a good time. It feels like uh, to welcome spring. It's going to be mid-40s all next week. Uh, we have widely differing opinions uh, on this issue. And that's exactly what they are, opinions. So, but, uh, you know, uh, it's good to be together. You know, a little bit of a different location. I'm excited that, honestly, this has been, since I've been here, kind of our backup venue, I think that this is going to have to, we're going to have to find another one because it won't be long before this venue just not going to fit us anymore. Amen. So, um, but I think, I, I want to this morning, uh, my hope is to kind of take you more on a, to tell you kind of a story this morning, okay? Okay. So it's, it's a little different, when we, when you come sometimes to church, you know, college students can relate to this. You come to class and you know you're there just to like, they're going to throw information at me, right? Um, or you come and sometimes you hear, I don't know, sometimes a sermon can feel like that. It can feel like I'm just getting a bunch of information put at me. And it can feel like a lecture. Um, and what I want to try to do this morning is I want to try to make it, it, it even helps just to reflect in your mind to go, I'm going to hear a story. All right. So get get that first. Grasp that because for me it helps me um, even to go. All right, I'm going to hear a story rather than I'm going to hear a lesson. You with me? It just puts my mind in a different place. It helps me absorb it in a different way. Uh, maybe that's the you know millennia or whatever when we were just telling stories and uh, our brains just learned that way. But we remember stories well, and so that's what I want to do. Uh, and so the, the title of this story this morning is, It's a Tale of Two Sinners. Mm-hmm. Alright? A Tale of Two Sinners. And we're going to pick up, if you have a Bible, you can kind of follow along with it. We're, we're going to be in Luke 18, and my hope, we're going to read, we're going to read a story about what Jesus, some of his experiences, and what some things he said and has done, and people he interacted with. And I hope that it, you can put it in your mind as you hear this, and see this as a story. And, and even as you listen to the story, all good stories, really, they should teach you something. You can could, you could take something or pull something away. And I want you to answer this question and, and think, have it kind of in the back of your mind as you think about it. Who would I be in this story? Who would I be? We're going to pick up in, in uh, Luke 18, and uh, starting in verse 9. You guys ready? I'm in John. Luke 18, starting in verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. It says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. A Pharisee stood up, prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, 
robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So here's a story and a story, but what you see is Jesus, he's he's preaching to the crowds and he's talking to these people. He goes, he sees into people's hearts. He's one of those guys, he walks around and he's preaching these sermons or preaching these different lessons and parables and all sorts of things and he's he comes to this group of people and he can just tell you ever been around those self-righteous people that you can just tell and he's like let me tell you a story right that's what a parable is he says let me tell you a story and he goes on and he describes these two individuals and he he paints this picture of this Pharisee who's a good person They're a good person, but is very self-righteous about their goodness, right? And then he he shows us this other guy, you know, and the tax collector, he says, you, this guy, tax collectors were known for being their crooked, scandalous, they would cheat people. Jesus is like, in this story, this would normally be the bad guy in most stories. Here he's going, this guy is the humble one. He, he's, he's the one, he knows he's messed up. And it's the messed up one who's actually the good guy. Right? And so he, he tells this story, but you know what's interesting about this scripture? What's amazing, and what Luke does in, in, uh, in writing this, and, and we're going to jump back into our story, but he goes, you know, Jesus tells this parable... And then soon after, he runs into the two people of his story. Right? And we're going to look at those two people. Because here, Jesus tells a story. And now I'm telling you a story. And we're going to look at the actual experience Jesus had with two people that really embody this scripture. Right? Go over to Luke. Just look in Luke. Verse 18, or verse 18 of chapter 18. Because it, it picks up. And so you've got you've to put this in your mind. Jesus is traveling. He's going towards the town of Jericho. He's heading on his way. It's hot. There's no snow outside. Okay? It's hot. And there is, he's, he's in a more arid climate than we are. Traveling around. People come to him. There's some lush trees around. There, there are nice trees. But... Generally, it's a more, it's a warmer climate, right? So put yourself in there. I tell you that so it helps you. But he's traveling, right? And in his travels, this this man, it says, a certain ruler, this guy comes up to him, it says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
It's a good question. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. It says, Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Man says, All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad. Because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You know, when you hear this story, you're, you're, you can put yourself here. What do we have? We have this, it, it calls this, this man a rich ruler. We have this story in other Gospels, right, that are recorded in Matthew and, uh, Luke, or Matthew and Mark. Mark's Gospel has something interesting. He actually shows that both of them call this man a young man, which I will refer to him as a young man as we, we go through this. But this young man in Mark's Gospel actually runs up to Jesus and then kneels before Jesus, right, and asks the same question. It's, it's almost verbatim the exact same account. But he runs up to him, and you see this difference. And I wonder at this, because it, he is contrasting these people. If he runs up, kneels down, and is like, what must I do? Kind of thinking of who else is around. I wonder this, because I do believe that he's, he's contrasting these two people. And his heart is almost there. Almost in the right place. I really think so. But he runs up to him and he asks this question. And, and he says, now this guy is likely, he's, he calls him a ruler. He likely was a ruler of a synagogue. So this is a religious teacher. Right? This, is a, this is like, this would be the equivalent of me. Okay, Let's just put it out there. It's the equivalent of me. Um, a, a young guy leads a church. You know, he's wealthy, so there's a difference there. But, you know, we look at this, and he's, he runs up. I mean, I live in America, so I would say I'm far wealthier than this guy. But he runs up to Jesus, and he's asking him these questions. And he falls on his knees, and he goes, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he, he says this thing. He says, Good teacher. Good teacher. And, and Jesus stops and asks a question. He says, you call me good. Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. And I, believe what, I really believe what Jesus is doing is I think he's probing at this guy. Do you believe that I am good? That I am God? Like, do you believe in who I am? Right? Because it's a bold statement. And we don't get an answer from this young man. But what we do know is that this guy 
knows or believes that Jesus has an answer for him on how to have eternal life. So there is an element that we're sure, if you look at the story, that this young man can come and kneel and go, good teacher, just tell me. Just tell me. Right? What is right? Tell me what I do. Now, what's, what's cool about this, what's interesting, Jesus tells him, he says, you know the commandments. You know them. This is a good guy. I mean, let's just be real. This is a good... If we just considered good people, this guy would rank up there with good people. Doesn't disobey his parents. Never killed anybody. Doesn't steal. You know, he's, he's obeying the commandments. He's saying, I've done all of these. And, and Jesus is, by referencing a few, he says, you know them. The guy's saying, I've, I've obeyed the others as well. I've done all this. You guys get what I mean? This is a good guy. And he asks great questions. If you could ask Jesus one question, I mean, what question would you ask him? I would be tempted to go, am I good to get into heaven? You know, is there anything that I lack to get into heaven, right? I mean, I would want to be sure of it. So this is a great question. Uh, I like great questions. Uh, He definitely has one. And so, but he tells him this, and then he goes, Jesus' response to his you lack one thing. Just one. How encouraged would you be, before you became a Christian, or maybe you're still trying to figure out, I want to be a disciple, if Jesus told you, you lack only one thing. Just one. Personally, I'd be fired up. <laughs> I'm like, you mean I only have to change one thing? That's awesome! Right? I mean, that would be amazing if you thought, I am such a good person that Jesus tells me I need to only change one thing. Fired up. Right? And so he's telling this. But he's saying, this one thing, you got to go and sell everything you own. Give it to the poor. Give it all away. And then come and follow me, right? You're like, what? What? When I was a young Christian, I used to struggle with this. I'm like, does that mean I should sell everything I own and and essentially be a nomad? I met these young uh, these young guys that came on my college campus at one point when I just become a Christian. I was like, baby Christian, a year old maybe as a disciple. I really was like on fire. I was zealous. These guys came on campus and they're like, yeah, we we. Um, we collectively own a car, right? They live in a they live in a van. They travel around, and they they take the the Bible very very literally. But they travel around. They've sold everything, and they go and they preach. And they had some different books and different things they sold and, and whatnot. It was like, okay, this is a little interesting. But their heart was give up everything and follow Jesus. <coughs> Right? And I was like, uh... And, and I think this was the scripture they used. And I was like, does that mean... Should I do that? And what's interesting here is Jesus... This isn't, this isn't a plan of salvation for you. So if you're ever wondering, does this mean I need to literally sell everything? No. However, what Jesus' point is, he goes, you lack one thing. Anybody know the first commandment? Anybody? 
Yeah. Have no other gods before him, right? And the, if you, you flesh that one out, it's idolatry. He's saying, have no other idols, right? Have nothing that you put before me, right? And what this guy's being called out for with Jesus in this story, he's saying, you know what you lack? You don't follow God. You worship money. Yeah, that's what you worship. That's your God. Now, go get rid of all of that and come follow me, Jesus, God. Truly follow me. What's Jesus really after? He's not after this guy's money because the guy's not giving it to Jesus. He's saying he's after his heart. Yep. That's where Jesus is going for him. He's saying, I'm coming for your heart and I'm coming for the one thing that you're holding on to more than anything else. And Jesus will consistently do that. You know, when anybody, he, he, he sees people's hearts. He sees your heart, right? Mm-hmm. But he tells him he's got to get rid of all of his material wealth. And says, come and follow me. And this man can't do it. Jesus is a good teacher. He has some good ideas. And maybe he can tell him how to get to heaven, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to listen. Right? He's a good teacher. But Jesus wants to be something more. Right. And we're going to see what that more is soon. Right? And, but he says, it's so hard. It's so hard for the rich to get into the kingdom of heaven. Right? And I think it can be hard for us because we are rich. We are. And I've said this before, indoor plumbing, electricity. We are wealthy. Right? And there are things that we have that these people didn't have. Commodities that seem we are so extravagantly blessed. But then our culture specifically is materialistic. Our egos, our, our mindsets are defined by the jobs and the money and the cars and the houses and these things. Are they not? The newest phone. How new or how old is your phone? Right? And how, how do you feel about it? Right? And these things. And so, how, hold, how tightly do you hold to them? And Jesus is challenging these concepts for this man. And we can look at ourselves and go, is this me? You with me? Yeah. But in this story, he goes on. And, and as we know, at the beginning, we saw the first parable. There's the Pharisee. But who else was the second person? A tax collector, right? You've got this tax collector. And you know what? Who does Jesus run into coming up? A tax collector. Hey. Let's check, take a look at that. Look at verse, uh, chapter 19, starting in verse 1, right? Verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him. And since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached that spot, 
he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. What? So, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Right? In my notes, I didn't write Zacchaeus a ton of times. I just wrote Z. So if I refer to Zacchaeus as Z, that's just because you'll know who I'm talking about. All right. Right? But here is Zacchaeus. Anybody know the Zacchaeus song from Kids' Kingdom? Yeah. Wee little man was he, right? He climbed up into a sycamore tree because, Lord, he wanted to see... Right? And so, yeah, yeah, there we go. And so, actually, I didn't know that song. I've heard other people sing it, so I listened to it on YouTube, like, multiple times. And then while I'm writing this, I'm, like, stuck in my head. Like, all day, all day. I even woke up this morning and was still singing. Like, <laughs> I'm just going through it. But you hear this, and, and I imagine, like, Danny DeVito, if you're wanting somebody to imagine. I imagine Danny DeVito, kind of. But you see, I might, he might have had a hard time getting in the tree, I don't know. But you have, you have Zacchaeus, who's, he's heard of Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. Now, the other, the Pharisee, the Pharisee runs up, kneels before Jesus, asks this question, Right? Zacchaeus doesn't try to run to Jesus. He, he can't get there. But he's willing to just see Jesus from afar. The first tax collector that we looked at, he wouldn't even look up to heaven. He wasn't trying to get... He, he, he was humble enough just to be in the temple in the presence of God. He wasn't trying to be up front. He just wanted to see... Zacchaeus just wanted to see Jesus. And he would settle for climbing up a tree. And that would be, I imagine that'd be a little embarrassing, right? You know, you're like, I'm so short, I gotta go climb a tree to be able to see something. But, he he doesn't care, he just wants to see Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. And then, this crazy thing happens. I mean, you're like, in the crowd, right? Some celebrities walks by, and then goes, Hey, Paul, I'm going to stay at your house tonight. I'd be like, uh, what? No, Jesus walks up, sees Zacchaeus in this tree, and calls him by name. He knows, he knows Zacchaeus. He sees him, and he goes, I'm gonna, I need to stay at your house tonight. Right? Zacchaeus comes down, runs over to Jesus, comes up, and he's, he, he warmly welcomes him. He's like, yes, yeah, I, I would love to have you stay at my house. You know, finally people make way for Zacchaeus to get through, right? He's like trying to get through the people. And 
he gets there and he welcomes them. I wonder, I imagine that he's kind of kneeling before him, right? He finally comes to him and he, he kneels before him. He's so grateful to be called forward by name. I mean, how cool would it be to be called by name by Jesus? But he runs forward and he's there. And then in the crowd, you hear the people start to, this guy? This guy? You're going to stay with this guy? Do you know what he is? This is, he's not just a tax collector. He's the chief tax collector. You've got crooked, and then you've got crooked's boss. <laughs> right? And he's wealthy. So there's a chance that, you know what? Some of that wealth is probably ill-gotten. What does Zacchaeus do? Immediate response. No challenge from Jesus. No call. He stands up. He goes, Lord. That's different. He says, Lord. Not good teacher. Lord. I will give half of everything I own. If I've cheated anybody, I will pay back four times what I took. Right? Now, four times was the legal demand from Jewish culture that they would pay back four times. But he's like, I will do what's righteous by the Lord now. Anybody. If he's got ill-gotten gain, he may have just impoverished himself. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. says, I've given half of all I have. I can't give the other half because I might have to give the other half back. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, you think about it. Yep. Here is Zacchaeus, though. He's going, Lord, I just want to be right. Just let me be right. Mm-hmm. In front of you. Right? Right by you. And Jesus' response is, salvation has come to this man's house. With Zacchaeus, he immediately gave God all of his heart. He gave it all to him. In the story, you see, this, this guy runs up, this short little guy runs up and kneels down. I don't know if standing made a huge difference, but he stands and he says, look, I will do what's right. <coughs> There are two different people in these stories. Both are sinners, right? One, one lacked one thing. One probably lacked a lot more. We look at the similarities between the two. Both of these men, both of these accounts dealt with salvation. Both of these men are wealthy, right? Both men made an effort to see Jesus. One goes up to his face, one will look from afar, but wanted to see. You know, but you think of the differences. The rich young ruler, right, was notably a good man, according to this community. I think he would be a good man in our community. People asked, who could be saved if that guy can't be saved? He was such a good guy. They're like, if he's not going to make it, how can anybody make it? And you see what I'm saying? I mean, this is a, they're astounded that this guy, he's going, while Zacchaeus had this reputation of a criminal and a cheat, right? As a sinner. 
And what we see is, that guy, he got it. The young man called Jesus good teacher, where Zacchaeus immediately calls him Lord. Now, there's a distinction there when we think about that, and I want to talk about it in a minute. But it says, the young man couldn't let go of his wealth. Zacchaeus, unprompted, impoverishes himself. Possibly. Right? The young man went away sad and did not receive eternal life. As far as we know, we have no reason to say that he made it. That he got what he was seeking. Yet Zacchaeus gave his heart to Jesus and salvation comes to his house. Right? You know, so how do we apply this to us? When we think of this story and you think of you and you go, who am I in this story? I want to ask you a question. Are you the one who comes to Jesus and says, Jesus is a good teacher? He has good moral teachings? This is a great, this is a, a great North Pole to set my compass, my moral compass by. A great way to live. Or is Jesus more than a moral teacher? Is he the Lord? See, to be Lord means that he has command and authority over all of your life. To declare someone as Lord, you are my Lord, means I submit to you utterly and completely. All I have is yours. Whatever you say I will do, I, I, I submit to you. A good teacher, I really think you have some great teachings. But those teachings you can walk away from when you don't feel very comfortable with them. And I got to ask, are some of you in here in the place where Jesus is just a good teacher? Hmm. I agree with Jesus' ideas. I even think they're right. But it makes me a little uncomfortable, so I'm not going to do that one. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. See, when Jesus is Lord, it doesn't matter if we are uncomfortable with it or not. Obedience is what he tells the first guy is necessary. And the reality is, he didn't obey. Now, God wants obedience to his commands, but what he really wanted from that rich young man was his heart. He wanted his heart. And it's what he got from Zacchaeus. Does God have your heart? Does he really have all of your heart? Are you keeping something back? Are you keeping back your job, your future, you know, your hopes, your dreams? I'll give everything except this one thing. See, for me, when I studied the Bible, and this is something you don't just, you have to give up every day, right? But for me, it was studying the Bible. It was getting married, having a family. I had to submit to and trust God that I may never get married or have a family. I had to count that cost. And, and in fact, you know, when I studied the Bible, they said, what's going to be the hardest thing for you to give up? I said, um, I said being in love, like having, having a family, you know, getting married one day. Um, I just, it was the hardest thing for me. I knew it. 
And certainly, yes. Am I married? Do I have an exceptional wife and an awesome little boy? Yes. But you know what? I wasn't guaranteed that. I had to trust that, you know what, God, you may not give this to me, but you are worth being with. Yeah. That was my one thing. And when I study the Bible with people, I look for that one thing. Most people have one. Some people have two. Um, by the time, if you're here and, and you're, you know, not a disciple, or you are a disciple sometimes, that one thing comes back. But I look for the one thing. Because almost everyone has the one thing they want to hold on to. And I want to ask you, what are you holding on to? Is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it your time? You know, you're here, so it's probably not football on Sunday morning. Um, though I do know some people that that's true. Well, now we have these things called DVRs, uh, which you would think would help some people. But really, it, it comes down to they just don't want to give God all their heart. Their comfort and convenience is more important. Is it more important to you? Which, which of these are you? Because you're at church on Sunday morning. I, I bet all of you in here are good people. If I don't know you, I bet that. But the rich young ruler was close. Are you close? Are you almost? Or are you going to be Zacchaeus? He says, I'm going to be all in. You guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, we ask these questions. Who are you in this story? What, what is the one thing you lack? Zacchaeus declared Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord for you or is he just a good teacher? If he's just a good teacher, you're not going to have <laughs> eternal life. You get that when you make Jesus Lord. The young man was almost there. Almost. But he didn't get it. Don't be almost. Yeah. Don't be almost. Get there. The greater idea of this whole story, really, God wants all of your heart. He wants you to humbly come to Him and give Him all of your heart. And the man who got it wasn't asked for it. He just gave it. But sometimes it's still encouraged. It's good to be asked and good to be called. And so... I'm calling you. You want it? Give it. Give all of your hearts. Don't hold anything back. If you're a disciple, please check your hearts regularly. Amen. Check them regularly. Because that one thing or a new one thing will come back for you. If you're not a disciple, if you don't even know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, please study the Bible with us. Figure out what it means to submit yourselves wholly and completely and why, in fact, it's worth it. Yeah. Because it's so worth it. Yeah. We are a church who believes that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. We want to help people know it and we believe it's our responsibility to help other people get to heaven. Right? Yeah. Not my, I, I'm not going to... Get them to heaven. That's Jesus' job. My job is just to help them. Our job, all of us, as disciples, is to help people get to heaven. So with this, I ask you, who are you in this story today? Is Jesus the good teacher? Or is he truly your Lord?
Amen. Amen. Amen.